Hello and welcome back to another Bond Marathon episode on the Author Archives podcast. This time round, Connery has hung up his tuxedo and opened the way for a new actor to step in as James Bond. Enter Australian actor George Lazenby as he takes on the mantle of being the next 007 for the following film in the franchise, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. We discuss Lazenby's take on the character of James Bond, 007's dodgy accent and attire, Diana Riggs' performance as Bond love interest, a new take on the main villain of Blofeld, its action-packed skiing set pieces, and the film's emotional closing moments. If you haven't already, make sure to listen to the previous Bond Marathon episodes to get up to speed. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Tom, how are we doing? Hi Jack, yeah, very good, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Right, so today we are going to talk about the next Bond film on Her Majesty's Secret Service. So before we fully go into it, just want to discuss quickly, obviously, the change in Bond. So Sean Connery uh, finished his five-movie contract that he had uh, with United Artists and kind of said he wanted to move on to different things. So left open a new opportunity for a new James Bond to come in in the form of George Lazenby, um, Australian actor. So before we sort of go into the plot, and I'll, I'll cover that in a moment, do we want to quickly share our thoughts of what the new, our thoughts on the new Bond and, you know, comparing him to Sean Connery? I, um, I didn't remember how much of an Australian accent he had and was quite surprised when he first opened his mouth and he's <laughs> I think he's, he's he does try and put on a on a proper English accent but I think that builds throughout the film right at the beginning he's he's proper Aussie <laughs> and yeah I don't know I think coming off the back of five Connery films and then straight into that I I know he, he does get a lot of a lot of good praise and I think people think he should have had more opportunity to to play Bond and I know I know he kind of went a bit a bit weird, didn't he, after after it. So maybe that's the reason why he didn't. But for me, I I didn't think he he didn't cut it for me. I didn't really I didn't gel with him as a as a bond. Yeah. I, 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 I kind of done a 180. So I'm glad I watched this because my feelings towards George Lazenby has changed completely. Um I remember that sort of first time round kind of feeling a bit sorry for him. And thinking, oh, he's just done one. He's on the back of Sean Connery. It's going to be hard to beat that. Um, but actually, when I sort of watched it and did a bit more sort of research afterwards, um, realised he was a bit of a dick. Um, yeah. uh, so I found out that how he got the job, because obviously there, it would have been a sought-after um, job to get as an actor. So there was a lot of people that were on the list to get it um the thing apparently that got him the job was when they were doing the fight scenes because it's kind of a, a longer interview process there's different things is with the acting and then the fight scenes as well apparently he knocked out the stunt man and then as he just as he did that the producers came over and saying you've got the job because he's like yeah. convinced them that he's this hard nut because um, it is quite um it is quite an action-packed film actually it's quite um i know a lot of bond films are action-packed but it's quite physical Mm. I think the action in it. Um, yeah, definitely. Probably only really matches um, Daniel Craig for kind of physicality as a Bond. I'd agree with that because obviously the next one we'll, we'll come on to is Roger Moore, which is a bit more campy action, I'd say, than than this and like you said, the, the Craig yeah. films. But yeah, we'll get onto the the action in a bit because I'm keen to talk on that. But yeah, I think it sounded like on the when he was on the set his ego got really stroked but like, oh, i'm the new bond so everyone's just sort of bowed down to me and they would just rub the producers up the wrong way um and i think that led on to the fact and also he said 
he was like, oh, James Bond's not going to last as a character anyway, because, you know, this, the time, you know, it was the late 60s, it was going, things in cinema were going in a different direction. They thought it was just going to be old news. Obviously, he's proven, proven wrong. And I think there's a reason why you don't really hear of him as a name compared to probably all of the other Bond actors. Yeah. Because I think he rubbed people up the wrong way and they kind of, he kind of destroyed his career, I think. Um, but the negatives aside, I think he has the look of Bond. I think they they pretty much tried to carbon copy as much of Connery as they could, like, you know, the hair and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think you can tell that this is definitely his first or early acting job. I think prior to this, he was like doing adverts or modeling. Um, so he's not the best actor, but um, he gives as good as he gets, I think. But um, right, so we'll go on to the plot of this because I, again I kind of knew the setting and the, the set the rough setup before watching it again but there were some things I was like okay this is this is new to me so in short um, James Bond woos a mob boss daughter and goes undercover to uncover the true reason for Blofeld's allergy research in the Swiss Alps involving beautiful women from around the world so reading it like that it sounds a bit odd as a Bond film um, but I think overall the story is a bit up and down. I think um, well, actually, we'll start. We'll go from the start then. So the the intro scene, which is kind of the running thing with the Bond themes, is kind of sets the tone. I think for mo- for the rest of the film. So in this one, he he kind of pulls up on a beach and he's following this woman, but you don't really know why. Um, and as he kind of goes up to meet them, two henchmen attack him, and they have this fight on the beach and on the sea, and then the t- as the tide comes in and stuff like that. So. Um, what did you think of the, the intro scene? Kind of, they do this thing as well, don't they? They, they don't, you don't really see his face because they kind of allude to, you know, it's the new Bond, and they kind of trying to build him up. What did, how do you think that went? Did it come across well or not? So, I, I don't actually remember watching this entire film before, and I, there was a lot of it that I, I didn't really remember. Kind of the bit up in the mountains towards the end of the film was was where all my memories were and I don't I didn't remember the the sort of opening scene at all and actually I thought I thought it was pretty good to begin with um he's he's chasing this girl and you you feel like oh what's he up to now um you know MI6 are, are looking for him and he's missing and then then he's chasing this girl around and you're kind of like yeah Bond's up to his old his old tricks mm. again he's just out chasing this woman then he beats up a load of random blokes who are after her, and and it's quite a good initial fight scene. I thought I thought it was pretty good, and then she like nicks his car and drives off a bit. And I thought I was like, okay, this is this is going to be a decent a decent film. And then they're driving along sand, and there's these tire on tarmac squeals that I was just like, oh my, just yeah, just, <laughs> I didn't even notice that. And every every punch has this comic book like wapow noise against it. When it's you know he's a pretty good fighter and he's pretty you know he, he's quite a a built guy and the, the mm. fight scenes are pretty pretty gritty. But then they've just got these comic book sound effects. They're the top that are just, yeah. I think I think early on it lost me and and started to annoy me a bit. And then <laughs> and then she goes off. And he looks into the camera and says, "This never happened to the other fella." In a in a proper Aussie accent, and then the film, you know, the the um the the theme plays. Yeah. Well, not it's not actually a theme, is it? It's just a musical. Yeah. Um, a musical kind of theme, and yeah, it didn't it didn't start off on the right foot for me. I don't think from there. <laughs> I I pretty much agree with with that. I I kind of like the nod though. It's kind of like. I, I read it as kind of like fuck you Connery we don't <laughs> we don't need you you know don't need moving you, yeah. on and I thought that was quite fair play to kind of have the balls to kind of do that obviously that aside him being an actual dick himself sort of later on after the film thinking he's like next god get god's gift yeah. I think doesn't didn't help him but I thought it was quite a good way to kind of try and draw a line under Connery and trying to move forward so if he'd have done a few more I think that would have been looked at differently, but yeah, it is. I never, I didn't even notice the the tire skids on sand. 
because it's repeated later on as well on ice yeah 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 squeals on ice and it just those little things yeah they're great on (laughs) (laughs) what did you think so you said about the um or like the orchestral theme for this which is i think other than dr no it's probably the only other one that doesn't have like a singing theme tune which is kind of what bonds are known for um what did you think of that and also the title sequence as well because they kind of reference and show snippets from all the other bond films before that were connery based yeah um yeah i like the instrumental theme and i like the louis armstrong the main theme that kind of is first played through through the middle isn't it mm. um but i this may this may give away some of my feelings of the of the film overall i i think it's a great theme and a great song but it's it's too romantic for me it's not it's not a strong bond theme it's kind of a it's a theme that you would have on a on a rom-com or a kind of romantic thriller not a not a spy film mm. that's my my feeling yeah it's definitely there's definitely i would say two themes two theme songs in this film you've got the one at the title sequence which is this the orchestral kind of I would say aggressive, but it's kind of quite a loud, strong song. And then you've got this, yeah, romantic, it's almost a love theme, isn't it, between James Bond and Tracy slash Teresa, which we'll come on to in a minute. But um, that kind of gets played as like their theme tune. Um, But yeah, I think think as songs on their own, they're good. Um, I think probably uh, We've Got All the Time in the World is probably one of the most famous songs to do with Bond and also probably just on its own outside of Bond as a thing anyway. Um, So yeah, definitely two strong um, theme tunes. What, I mean, I'm kind of just going to jump around the plot because I've kind of just made made notes randomly, but I'll kind of go actually onto uh, Diana Rigg as a Bond girl then, we'll just kind of jump around like where she fits in in the story. But what do you think of her as a a Bond girl, kind of as a character um what are your thoughts on her and in this film um i don't i don't think she fits really either of the two stereotypical bond girls she's she's neither the kind of um the strong woman who stands up to bond or is overly kind of ditzy and stupid and and falls in love with him she's She's just kind of like a normal woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I think I think she's a good a good character. She, yeah, I think I, I'll reveal more of my thoughts on the film. I guess um, she's just a proper love interest, isn't she? Yeah. Um, a proper, yeah, just kind of a girlfriend and and partner to Bond, which he doesn't really have again. Yeah, um, yeah. I well, uh, I would say probably to Casino Royale. Probably yeah. the closest with Vespa is probably the closest he gets as a like a full-on romantic attachment to a yeah. Bond girl. Um, I, but yeah, you're right. In this film, it's definitely, again, we'll come on to why we think that later on, but um, definitely the closest he's got to a, a female counterpart. I, I think she's great in this. I think acting-wise, she wipes the floor with George Lazenby and pretty much most people in this film. She's yeah. quite a strong actress in this. And you're right. I think her character is one of the more if we were going to say character-wise for a Bond girl, I think she's one of the best in that she holds her own and she can push back and fights back. Although it, for me, I thought it was quite weird. She's almost like suicidal at the start. Like she's going out through the tide, like as if like, the waves are going to take her away. And then yeah. the second half of the film, she's this really upbeat, loving <laughs> life character, which I find found a bit weird. But um, yeah, I, I, think, think, that, yeah, I think she's great. Yeah, I think that's kind of the... Bond Bond saves saves her from from this depression and then mm. they then they fall in love. Yeah. So with the plot, it's it's so obviously I know we've changed Bond as an actor, but it's weird how it's not really follows on from You Only Live Twice. And and what I mean is Blofeld, who is this super villain that's been sort of shown throughout the other films so far. Is, is obviously in this film as well, and we'll come to that. But they don't really sort of 
carry on form, sort of straight away from the end of You Only Live Twice where he gets away. Uh, they, what happens is Bond is trying to look after him. I think it says two years in the film. They've been looking after him for two years and M is basically like, no, nah, you've, you've had your chance, mate. Yeah. Off you go. And then it leads up to Bond resign, <laughs> resigning or handing his resignation in. And there's a really good scene where M just kind of signs the resignation and doesn't even look up and just hands the letter back to him, like, get out. Yeah. I thought that was like, he just made Bonnet like an absolute bitch. <laughs> yeah. It was quite good. Yeah, it, um, does, it does build on that, that tension between Bond and M, doesn't it? Yeah. That, um, that kind of difficult relationship that they've got. Um, I, like, I like the bit when he's, Bond's kind of packing his packing up his desk and you, you kind of see that he's got his own office in there, which um, you kind of don't expect him to have, but he's packing up this desk and it's got all sort of gadgets and memorabilia from, from previous films. And it's, it's a quite, yeah. I don't know if I like it or not. I don't know how I feel about it, but it's, it's an interesting uh, yeah, scene, I, isn't it? It was, it was just, yeah, it was weird from, from a film at the start where it's like, we're going in a new direction, like it never happened to the other fella, and then reference him again, or you know his escapades in previous films within the next the next sort of 10, 15 minutes. I thought was a bit weird. I think it was kind of cool how they done it. Like they picked out the, I think it's the the knife or Honey Rider's knife from Doctor No, and every time he picks one out, it plays like the orchestral theme from that film, which yeah. I thought was quite a nice touch. Yeah. But other than sort of nodding to the audience to say, look, look at all the other films we've done, it was a bit like. Okay, didn't really go any. It didn't go anywhere, did it? Um, no. But yeah, I thought it was fine enough. Um, there was a, I can't. There's a kind of jumping around the, the plot again. But they go to this like bullfighting venue, and it's basically where I think they have this conversation with um, the mob boss. So um, Bond meets up with this mob boss, and they basically say, you know, you, you can, if you marry my daughter, which is Tracy Dinerig's character, um, I'll help you out in sort of finding Blofeld. That in short is what happened. And they go to this bullfighting venue where Bond is basically trying to instigate all that and kind of build a relationship. Uh, I made a point because they cut to, as they're, they're talking, they cut to the bullfighters, like actually, you know, playing with the <laughs> playing, but like, you know, toying with the bull. I don't know if yeah. you notice as well. There's a scene where this bull like fully charges into one of the like matadors and almost like spears him, but they keep it in the film. It's like he almost died, and they <laughs> just keep him in. I just thought it was like there's a lot of this as well. I don't know about you actually, and uh, um, even some of the um, Connery ones. There's a lot of scenes in this film. It's like I'm surprised this is a PG. Like there's some yeah. bits where it's like okay that's i don't know if that is just more like the gore not the gore but like the violent side of it i think well yeah i i well there is there is a scene later on um in the in the mountains when they're skiing that is when the the guy goes into the it's like a snow plow isn't it mm. um but it's basically this massive like snow shifting machine with these like rotors inside and he just gets absolutely munched in it and then like squirted out the top yeah and yeah it's pretty um that whole that whole sort of fight scene that will come on is um yeah it's quite violent and i'm yeah i'm surprised um yeah yeah no definitely not i'm trying to remember the line he says after that i made yeah, a note he, of it he had some guts or something like that isn't it he had lots of guts. That was I thought it was shit, personally. I thought that long line was terrible. It was like, yeah. you could have said something, but he had lots of guts. <laughs> like, That's one thing for me, actually. The, the one-liners in this film, there's, there's a lot of them, and I don't think any of them, any of them are good. No, and they've I all agree. got them as well. They all have these terrible one-lines all the time. Um, yeah. And none of them make sense. Yeah, I think... <laughs> apart from... Apart from um, when he's in the, he's with all the all Blofeld's girls, and they ask how he's doing, and he said, "Oh, I've got a slight stiffness coming on." <laughs> yeah. She's caressing yeah. his leg. To be fair, I did I did write that one down. That was the only one that kind of made me slightly yeah, chuckle. Work, Everything else doesn't land, or is like, <laughs> "Sorry, what?" That makes no sense. Yeah. So yeah, then they have after that this kind of that love montage where they play the Louis Armstrong theme tune, and it's like where basically 
James Bond is falling in love with Tracy. Um, and you're not sure, kind of as the viewer, is he, is he doing it just for, uh, you know, to get at Blofeld or is he actually falling in love with her? You don't really know that. Um, and then it comes on, there's a, a references quick scene where he kind of, he meets up with, I can't remember the guy's name, but he meets up the guy who's, who does all the um, coat of arms. And yeah. um, there's quite a cool reference to sort of later on um, where Bond's, family motto is world is not enough and obviously that yeah, is a yeah, film that title of that and i thought that was quite yeah. a good touch um, yeah i didn't um yeah i didn't know that was i didn't know that part um existed yeah but he yeah so he he pretends to be this guy doesn't he to get into um blofeld's world um and i'm pretty sure that they actually dub his voice with the other guy's voice and it's like they do but you're not I, why like yeah. that no it doesn't i don't it doesn't compute because he's so, not <laughs> yeah exactly the viewer not blofeld because he's exactly well so there's this, right so this there's two things so firstly for me up until this point so just for people listening in case they don't know what the hell we're talking about so they basically the, the plan is that the that bond basically impersonates this coat of arms guy because Blofeld is is looking to become a count and there's like conversations that they need to have so Bond basically infiltrates Blofeld's kind of base on a more of a formal basis than sneaking in um, to kind of get an understanding of what's going on um, but yeah in doing so Bond meets this guy um, who's like a very eloquent posh English voice um, and you know it's all full-on stereotypical British man isn't it pipe glasses and all that yeah. stuff and um yeah so Bond, so so Bond then puts on this accent what you as the as the viewer and we'll come to what you just said in a minute and is, is talking to Blofeld and this base as well which is full of women again and we'll come on to that as well but there's two things I could not get my head around um firstly what you said is the voice isn't George Lazenby's. It's the guy who he met is done has done a voiceover in the edit room to do the same voice. And you can even tell that, you know, it's like, you know, silly things like the, the lips don't match up necessarily what's being said. And what I found was quite funny is George Lazenby didn't know that until he watched the film in the premiere. Really? He was like, I've been fucked over. So <laughs> up until, so my problem is, my problem with this whole film is I think the bookends of the film are good, but the middle is shocking. And it's mainly because of his voice here. It's so over the top and so not him. And also, can you see Connery doing that? I, I don't no. think so. Um, no. I think, I think I know he's, you know, he's the original Bond and others have come after him, but I just think it's really out of character for James Bond to kind of play like an impersonation, be an impressionist. I thought it was really weird. And the other thing quickly is... He meets up with Blofeld dressed and speaking like this guy, but they've, you know, if we're taking You Only Live Twice as actually happened and kind of a, a prequel to this plot wise, they've already met. They know what each other yeah. look like. So you're telling me he's fooled by a stupid voice, glasses and a, and a pipe. I just thought, was yeah. like, no, no. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, ridiculous. That, yeah, that really, that really doesn't land for me. Um, Cause Blofeld was meant to be a really intelligent guy as well. <laughs> and <clears throat> how's he so quickly built up this kind of lab as well that doesn't he's completely changed tact that doesn't that doesn't add up for me and yeah the bonds bonds wardrobe in this film is <laughs> unbelievable i didn't realize where kind of the austin powers ridiculous massive collars and shirts and everything came from but yeah i think i think he pissed off the everyone creating this film and they just dressed him like a complete dick because <laughs> he looks so bad they referenced that in the documentary they were like some of the guys were saying oh, i felt a bit bad for him because normally that's how producers want actors to get out is of like a role is to make him dress like an idiot so they feel like an idiot. so like you said he's in a kilt and he's wearing yeah. they can only re really reference it now as the austin powers frilly collared white shirt <laughs> and it's like I, I do again I can't I know I know Connery's Scottish and he could pull the kilt off maybe but as just as Bond as a character 
it's like what is happening he's just dressed in all sorts of i know it's maybe it's sign of the times as well because he does dress in more like um turtlenecks and stuff like that like 60s style but just here it's it's just the whole bit where bond is in the um because it's we hadn't even said but they're in switzerland is it switzerland yeah i think they're in switzerland austria Austria. okay and um and they're on this sort of snowy mountain top where they've got this base and um that whole scene where they're there i just hate it i I don't like it at all i wish it could just take it out i don't think it adds i mean what i find strange as well is the whole first third of the film bond is supposed to be falling in love with this character he then goes up up to this mountainside and just (laughs) and just shags as like three or four different women (laughs) in the space of a night and i'm like are we supposed to believe the romance is still there? Like, are you doing yeah. this for Queen, Queen and Country? Like, what, <laughs> what is happening? Yeah. Um, so for that side of it, I was just like, ah, oh, what are you doing? How are we supposed to care then, you know, later on when Diana Riggs character comes back? We're like, well, mate, he's, he's absolutely done the dirty all, all over you. Um, yeah. And it, Go on. Yeah, so I, I I think back to the back to the whole plot, it's... um. So the actual the actual idea and what Blofeld is is getting up to is is a pretty massive plot, but I just don't think it builds it builds up what he's doing. It doesn't set any kind of tension. There's no kind of feeling that Bond must prevail because you know the world is in is in balance. But he's he's effectively trying to make he's he's got this harem of of beautiful women that he's going to use as um, kind of mules to carry around his like engineered bioweapons effectively isn't it to to yeah. kill off all the world's crops and like as a plot that's you know it's, it's world destruction isn't yeah, it it's, totally. it's massive but it just it doesn't it doesn't really build to that crescendo for me and that kind of realization that shit the whole world is in balance and and bond needs to save it yeah. it's all just a bit yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, his, his girlfriend <laughs> yeah it doesn't go anywhere like you said it's quite because yeah you said it, it deals with crops and i think it makes like animals infertile as well so like food is in general like, yeah just will just die out basically and he he blofeld holds all the cards to you know you know stop that and get some sort of you know world domination um, money to stop him from doing that going forward but like it's weird how it's just how they do it as well. Like they get these psychedelic lights, uh, and this like they basically put some like under hypnosis these women, and it's like, there's this really weird scene. I made a note of it where they they do all these twelve women. One of them as well is Joanna Lumley, which I didn't realise. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, what the hell? I don't remember know she was in this. Um, yeah, so they put all these psychedelic lights on, and then Blofeld's voice comes in. And they're all like, because they're all supposed to have their own unique allergies, aren't they? And that's why they think they're there, is they're trying to get yeah. allergy treatment. And one of them's like, <laughs> one of them's like, um, so you have an allergy of chickens? Like, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry, you don't have an allergy anymore. Don't, you'll get over it. And just basically some shit like this. I was like, this is the villain. This is the Bond villain. And he's talk- yeah. he's whispering through a microphone to say, don't be scared of chickens. <laughs> I just thought it was so strange. I didn't understand it. Um, but yeah, uh, actually, let's, let's talk about um, Blofeld in this compared to the previous one. Telly Savalas' take on, on Blofeld. So just not just up till now, just the, the whole film. What do you think of him, his perception of, or his take on Blofeld compared to Donald Pleasance in the last one? So... Donald Pleasant, I think, is one of the greatest Bond villains, that portrayal of Blofeld. Um, and I think this, Telly Savalas' character, I think gets a lot of praise from probably an American crowd. Um, but I I hated him. <laughs> I'll be honest. Wow. I, okay. thought, I thought it was, it was it's awful in my opinion, <laughs> I, I, it just does not land. I think he's way too American. 
he's not at all menacing he's he's more odd than anything he's obviously not that intelligent anymore because he doesn't recognize bond that this arch nemesis um he's just creepy and the, the way he holds the cigarette as well like like i don't know like he's picked up a bit of i don't know something nasty off of someone or like a bit of he holds blood. it like he's about to play a recorder it's like <laughs> it's really weird i noticed that as well yeah, it's so weird um and he doesn't even want so he set up this evil plan, but what he wants is for all his past crimes to be pardoned and to become a count. That's like, no, you're an, you're an evil genius. You want world domination. You don't just want to be like a, you know, an English gentleman and leave the world of crime behind. You fucking run Spectre, mate. You no. It's a bit just, of a sorry. pussy way out, isn't it? But just, there's one thing, yeah, it's, I, I, it's a fair point. Because I, di- I didn't write that down, actually, but it's a bit like, you know, oh, you know, I'm sorry now. Can I, I just want to hold this over you so you can just pretend I've not done anything rather than continue to be, you know, the kind of like I said in the other one, like this is he's supposed to be the Joker to James Bond's Batman. And yeah. I can't see Joker doing like that or any sort of big villain from any sort of franchise where it's kind of just sort of wimped out. But there's there's another thing as well with about, about a cap, about him being a cap. And I just want to sanity check this with you as well that I didn't mishear this, but he's cut off his own earlobes so he would fit into the um, <laughs> to fit in with the family tree because apparently the family trait is they don't have earlobes, so they yeah. just cut it off. So he goes, oh, I've cut them off. So now I'm now can I have my um, family coat yeah. of arms now? Yeah, just yeah, that's that's basically it. They did say that, right, didn't they? He was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, because yeah. I'm sure Bond says, yeah, because later on, uh, Blofeld like realizes that Bo- it's Bond and not the fucking stupid accented Englishman, and he's like, oh, so I see you've dressed up, and then Bond something says something like, yeah, well, at least I didn't cut off my earlobes. <laughs> <laughs> Just it's like it. fair point. <laughs> Idiot. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I. I kind of, it's weird because <clears throat> similar to like the Bond changing, obviously the villains change actor as well. It's almost like they're just two different takes of the same villain. And it's weird. It's not a continuation from the first one. You know, he's got the scar over his eyes. Um, they are both bald, although I'll give them that. But one of them's this kind of short um, or shorter um, villain who's way behind the scenes. You just don't really see him, and he's, you know, he's he's the puppet master. And he just makes everyone do things for him. Where in this, he's much more active. He's much more like later on they do the skiing and they're chasing Bond. He's there and he's part of it rather than sending them off to do his bidding. He tried to be sort of a bit more involved. I think. I think he's yeah. a good actor. I think he's good at what he's been given as a script. So I think he holds his own in that sense. I just think. The script is just a bit too much, even for a Bond film. It's I know it's supposed to be over the top, but I just think I think where it gets weird is like when it's doing this psychedelic, like the voiceover stuff, where he's kind of trying to be a hypnotist rather than a villain. Like, why is he not getting a henchman to do that for him? Why is he not? I see him as the guy who sits back, relaxing in his lair wherever and ev- and he's got all the me- you know moving pieces and he's directing them rather than being actively part of the plot uh, part exactly, of the yeah. you know the the you know part of the global domination he's getting people to do it for him that's the whole point of spectre is that there's various arms or tentacles like the logo is that represent that and he's the octopus really at the head of it um, yeah i think i think it would have worked better actually if if he was even <clears throat> telly's valid as that character was like I don't know, number four or something, and then mm. wasn't wasn't even playing Blofeld because it it's not. You're right; it's not a continuation of the character. It's just got the same character's name and mm. sort of role. Yeah. But they don't they don't really reference Spectre that much in the film either. No. It just it yeah it's just odd for me. Yeah, it just doesn't. Um, I don't know why they would. I guess they try to keep it very close to the book. Um. Yeah. And and other films weren't that close, but I just yeah as a as a as a continuation in a in a series of films it just yeah. doesn't work. They could have no. just used the same character. I, I I agree, and it's weird as well because obviously 
prior to you running twice, Blofeld, we see him, he's so disguised, he's hidden away, his face is hidden. And mm. yes, it's benefit for the audience. But in this, he's just everywhere. He's open. You know, what's changed in that time? You know, if we're carrying on from Yoni of Twice where his lair, volcanic lair got blown up, he should be in hiding. But this is like open and it's like, you know, look at me. He's not hiding anymore. It, it doesn't, didn't seem quite right. Um, I'll move, moving on to the next sort of plot point. Basically, various things happen. Um, <laughs> different stupid outfits and all that stuff. Um, Bond escapes from the base on the top of the, hill, uh, the mountain and they have this ski down bit. So there's a couple of ski scenes in this, which I actually, I will say, are really good. Um, the way yeah. they're shot as well, even for then, I'm like, wow, the way they've done it um, looks looks amazing. Um, and there's there's a bit, I think it's this bit here, or is it later on? There's these skis down, and one of the skis, one of the skiers behind him that's chasing him, I think Bond like throws him and he goes over this cliff. And yeah. he has the longest scream. I've ever heard someone have in a film. And it's like, they just film, it's clearly a doll as well, like a mannequin, because his arms aren't flailing about like you would be if you're plummeting to your death. It's almost like a static mannequin just screaming. <laughs> but they film it for about 10 seconds as the scream just gets lower, and then it just goes, and just like lands. Yeah. <laughs> like a, and again, it's a PG, so kids can see that that's quite... You know, there's no blood and guts or anything like that, but just to see what it's supposed to be. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, I noted that. The, yeah, yeah, I noticed that. I, could, I think I think at least two people go off go off cliff edges, which is it's a pretty brutal way to go, isn't it? And and there's another scene where he he's basically strangles a one of the other anonymous henchmen with with a ski, and he's just mm. like ramming the ski into his neck, and he just yeah. kind of like really cringe cringe moment it's quite quite difficult to watch yeah it's like what you said earlier it is more like physical than anything else i know you said about the start there was a bit more sort of like 60s batman kapow and all that punching yeah. and stuff but outside of that the fight scenes as well there's one actually we missed uh, right near the start there's um bonds in a hotel room and i think he's going to meet who he thinks is going to meet diana rigg in his hotel room and it's actually a henchman. And they have that fight scene in there where he's throwing tables. I think they push each other through tables and he smashes his head against like the, um, I don't know what you'd call it, like a grating that's in the room. And even that scene was quite a brutal scene. I think yeah, generally... That's quite, good, that's quite a good fight scene, actually, that one. Yeah, generally the, the fights in this are like, they look real, if anything. They look yeah. a lot less staged. I think they look like genuine fights. Um so yeah, and then so what happens is Bond gets um, gets away, goes down into the town, um, and bumps into Tracy again. And that was I thought was it was quite a nice moment actually because Bond's kind of stuck and he's like, you know, he's sat around. He's he's basically using the crowd to hide himself, and he puts on a jacket because he's got obviously this voluminous blue outfit that is not the best. It's not the best outfit to wear if you're trying to hide from people. Um, but yeah, he has his jacket, and then Tracy comes in, and basically takes him away. And I, I think this is one of the another good bit. Actually, we'll come on to like car chases and just chases in general. I thought the car chase in this was quite good, and quite fun. Um, yeah, like there's there's a bit before that as he's walking around the crowd, which I have to, I've got to mention. Oh, cool. it, but, but he's he's wandering around the crowd, kind of looking back at these guys like after him and stuff, trying to trying to get away. And he turns around, and there's this giant polar bear. <laughs> Like a guy in a polar bear costume, and he absolutely shits himself. <laughs> and it's like, you know, yeah. it's just like this massive fight scene. It's James Bond, and then this big guy in a big cuddly polar bear outfit scares the shit out of him. And he doesn't even make a noise. He's like, uh -huh. <laughs> it's, just... <laughs> it's like almost screams. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it's weird because it kind of, they film it like it's supposed to be like a little horror little section. Like yeah. it's like zooms in on his face of panic, and it's just yeah. a stupid guy in the be like, relax. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I do, I do like the car chase. I think the um, yeah, the DBS is a cool, it's a cool car. It's like yeah. sounds really good, doesn't it? Um, and Tracy's driving, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. Um, and one bit that does annoy me is, which, yeah, kind of, I'll, I'll get it to my summary at the end, but. 
she's trying to get away and Bond is just constantly keeps kissing her on the cheek oh, and it's yeah. like oh well well done babe it's like you're doing so well it's like just just leave her alone she's trying to get away from all these guys you keep like kissing her <laughs> yeah I thought that as well I wondered if they'd filmed loads of like cuts and they just kept editing it in where they could with the same scene because I thought the yeah. same was like just let her drive and he's like well done and she's just driven off I mean women can drive off as well <laughs> like it's not just a bond thing um but yeah I, I noted that as well that like, it's just like just relax a bit chill out mate yeah. um yeah but I thought the the scene where they kind of crash in uh into like a what would you call it it's almost like an Indy 500 sort of um yeah it's like an ice track isn't it like an ice yeah. track and um they use that as kind of cover to try and not that they have the same car to hide in, but they use it as trying to uh, like basically get the henchmen after them in their cars to crash. And just she does quite well um, in the sense of dodging it and getting around and pretty much getting away scot-free. But I yeah. thought that was quite good. There's that scene as well. One of them gets turned over and it cuts to him, just flips upside down and he's still like trying to drive it. Which I thought was <laughs> quite cool. It's quite silly, but it's quite funny. Um, but yeah, I thought that was quite cool. And then they go... Um, on the back of that, uh, they go into, they find this shack that they hide in. And this is the bit where, I think this is the bit I I have a feeling that you didn't like because it might feel out of character because, so it's just Tracy and Bond in this shack and it's at night time and they basically reside there for the evening. And as they do, Bond basically says, I love you, will you marry me? Um, what did you think of that bit? terrible <laughs> there's, there's a line where they're kind of cuddling up together in this yeah it's like a like a stable almost isn't it kind of um hiding from this big storm and it's all it's all very romantic and cuddly and and all, all the rest of it and he says the proper time for this is our wedding night and kind of pushes her away and doesn't like what who is this guy who is this boring bastard <laughs> this is not james bond right. and it yeah i don't know I, I just don't i don't get the um yeah it's not I just not a bond film that's not that's not james bond yeah it's it, but even just just from the first third of the film right we're supposed to believe as a viewer that he's in love with her after smashing three or four women in the yeah. uh, base on the mountain who and he didn't, you know, there's no problem from him there not to sleep on the wedding night. I was like, who I couldn't believe it was him saying that. I thought it would have been Diana Rigg saying, you know, wait till the wedding night. But it's James Bond saying, no, not tonight, love. He's yeah. probably had his share for that day. Yeah. I just thought it was like two things. It's like we're supposed to believe he loves her after like what's happened in the first 20 minutes of the film. And then secondly, he's just a bit of a hypocrite because he's just been doing the deed up, up on the mountain. So uh, that whole bit, I thought, was just really out of character. And it didn't warrant that sort of... It was supposed to be like a romantic payoff, isn't it, that he said that. You know, if you take it out of a Bond film and a, like a rom-com or something like that, or just a general yeah. romance film, that's the pivotal bit. But I was not bought into that at all. Like, nothing has led to that point for that to be a big moment. It was just yeah. like... So that's why I... Th sort of lent towards Bond is just doing this to get to Blofeld. But at that point, he's already with Blofeld. So he has no, I don't believe him when, he's, when he says it is what I'm getting at, I think. Um, no, yeah, yeah, I agree. And then on the back of that, they have another ski chase, which I think is brilliant, uh, where they go down these massive slopes. And then, like you said, they have that whole bit, I think is with, that's when... Uh, uh, yeah, that's when he goes into the plough and all the blood comes out and the king says the stupid Bond line. He had lots of guts. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, yes, that, Bond. That, that whole, um, yeah, that, that scene is really good, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's a great action scene. I like, I do like how in, in progressive Bonds, there's always something new that Bond is really good at. And it's like, mm. in this is skiing. He's, you know, he skis to one ski at one point and he's just like, there's nothing he's he can't do, isn't it? That's the kind of the tagline of Bond. He's just great at everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, in this, it's, it is a really well filmed 
both of the ski scenes are really well filmed. It's very cool. It's action packed. It's it's gripping. Definitely, and, and it's, it's quite and it's close. Yeah, exactly. It's it's quite close how they film it as well. Like you can tell it's one of eight. I watched it as well. It's the basically they got this cameraman who's really good at skiing to ski backwards and film them. And you can yeah. tell it's quite close rather than being sort of far away, like helicopter or whatever, to film it. Yeah. They're yeah, quite yeah. involved in it. And up until that point, not just Bond films, I think films in general is quite a big it seems like nothing now, I think, in modern film, but then it's like it's quite you're quite stuck in the action. Um, but like you said, yeah, Bond pretty much just is another thing that he's amazing at. Um, and I think they, they do the avalanche scene as well. So Blofeld, uh, I don't know what it is. It's like a, it's almost like a flare, but like a bomb that sets off uh, the avalanche coming down. And you can tell it's kind of, they're superimposed on an actual avalanche or something like they've yeah. done something, but I, I kind of forgave them for that. I mean, it's like late sixties, you know, technology isn't as what it is now. And actually, I don't think it kills that sort of as a retrospective watch doesn't kill it um but i think it's the best that they could have i imagine they could have done at that time and i thought they filmed that really well kind of looking like the the avalanche is right on bond's tail um as they eventually slowly get caught up in it um but yeah i thought that was quite good yeah um, i thought it's good, it's good as well and it, it kind of um it then splits up bond and tracy doesn't it and you kind of neither of them know if if the other one's okay um it's yeah it's quite a yeah it's quite a, it's quite a a good scene sort of they've had this romance and then you kind of feel feel for them both they're just in you know they've been split up they don't know what's going on yeah almost to the point where bond goes back to london because they, they're in m's office yeah and they're like well, well you know i want to go back bond basically goes against orders and i think m says something like you know we don't want to risk it or they don't want to go basically in short and bond's like well fuck that i'm, I'm gonna go um, so that's essentially what happens. He teams up with his mob boss, which is Tracy's dad, to kind of go and storm the base, get Tracy out and just kind of blow it up, really. Um, and I think I think the attack on the base is good. I think it's the bit after which we'll come on to, I think is, is, is brilliant. Um, so, yeah, they storm the base. They basically go in. This is quite a good scene for Tracy as a character as well. She stands up for herself as a henchman, which... Up until then, some of the Bond girls, not all, most of them haven't done that. And she kind of gives her own, like she gets some weapons, I can't remember what she gets, but she basically polishes off one of the henchmen yeah. that's trying to attack her. I think there's like these, I don't know what it is. It's like some, it's like an ornament, but it's like spikes on a wall and he just like, she just like spins him into it. Again, yeah. it's quite brutal. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I always think, well, why, why are they on the wall? That's quite a health <laughs> and safety issue. <laughs> really, really dangerous. Yeah, decoration. Yeah, these massive yeah. spikes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, she does do pretty well. Um, and there's this, there's this, some. I've made a note from a few cool bits. Like there's a bit where Bond kind of jumps off the helicopter, and he's on like the landing area, and he slides on his belly on the ice and shoots a few. I thought that was quite cool. Like, yeah, why not? Um, but the bit that I made a note of, which I thought was a bit, um, bit full, bit too much. There's a bit where basically they've got. So Tracy's dad, the mob boss, has got her and he's like, right, we've got to go. But Bond's still in there and he's trying to fight Blofeld. And she's resisting and she's like, no, we've got to get Bond. And then eventually, bearing in mind this is his daughter, he just knocks yeah. her out, punches her yeah. in the face and, goes, <laughs> and basically says the throwaway comment saying, you know, kids these days, you know, never, never listen to their dad. And I was just like, that's a yeah. bit aggressive. Considering yeah, there's all these just, henchmen yeah. around you, they could easily just put her onto the helicopter. Yeah, he just smashes her straight in the face. I was, I, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> yeah, even now, I was just took back, like, all right, there's no need for that, mate. Um, but yeah, so I thought that was that seems good enough. It's fine. Um, but I think I don't know what you think. We'll ask obviously in a minute. But I think the bobsleigh scene is possibly the best scene in this from an action standpoint. From what could have, what from what could be, when you say it out loud, it sounds ridiculous. Like they they're literally chasing each other in, in bobsleigh. Um, but I think it's really good, and I imagine really difficult to film it. There's a scene as well when you're saying about how brutal it is. Like they Bond is eventually they're on their own two sleighs, and Bond gets onto Blofelds eventually. After I think he comes off, doesn't he? And then he jumps back onto the track, yeah. and jumps on back of Blofelds one where Blofeld is like pushing Bond's head against the like the, the hard snowy ice track 
and you just see this you know imagine it's an action stunt double and his head's just bobbing off this ice i just like that is brutal and it's quite like the way i see it is i've seen a lot of action films i i can't say a bobsleigh action scene has ever come up ever again so i thought it was quite a unique take on a chase scene um what did you think of it <laughs> i thought it was ridiculous oh no <laughs> yeah it didn't um no it didn't do it for me Oh, and the, no. the comment at the end, he's branched off when <laughs> when Blofeld like launches up into this branch. <laughs> yeah, he's branched off. No, I, I yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know whether it's because because at, at that point in the film, after watching for what yeah. two hours plus, by this point, I just kind of had enough. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was, I just thought it was a bit. A bit ridiculous. Oh no! Oh, I I thought it was I thought it was good. I thought it was unique to this film. It'd be like for me if you were to say the if you were to point out the action set piece of each Bond film, I I would go to this and say that was the bit for me that stood out where you could tell it was quite tough to do. And like you know, this is way before the days of CGI. Like these are people actually, I imagine, doing it and doing it so many times to edit together as part of a scene. And like there's bits that are just like bombing down this this track, and like there's a scene as well where like Bond is like, and it looks real. Well, it must be real, but the, he kind of half comes off, and his body's like getting like slammed across the track on like the surface yeah. above the bobsleigh, if that makes sense. And he's just being dragged along, and he's almost there's a bit as well where he's hanging off the back of the bobsleigh with just one hand, and he's just being pulled along at great speed. I just thought it was really good. I thought it was something that makes it unique i think to this film and some other action films but but yeah like you said the the climax really is is bond kind of i don't know if bond pushes him or blofeld jumps i think bond lifts him up and yeah and he gets blofeld gets his head stuck between forked branches <laughs> and he's just like hanging there like passed out like oh, oh. <laughs> and then he says yeah you think he's branched off again it's like you've just wanted to say branch in the line it doesn't pay off like no. it's ridiculous <laughs> um and then we kind of get to the ending which i feel like this is for you is where the final nail in the coffin where they basically get married so yeah. bond gets married um and they have everyone's there q's there m's there q again just calling out barely in this no gadgets yeah, no <laughs> you can tell no. that's a that's a big no-no for you but yeah the no gadgets, gadgets are the the only people who have gadgets are the um the harem of women who've got their little radios to listen to blowfeld that's yeah. yeah that's the that's the yeah. coolest thing in this film yeah no no <laughs> gadgets whatsoever no. and we barely see the car uh, well yeah. we do see it at the end but we yeah we barely see the car i thought there was before you rant about this because i know you will i thought there was a good scene uh, a nice touching scene where money penny who's obviously distraught because she's always had this thing for bond and he bond throws the hat at her because that's like the running thing for you know when they have the scene with money penny bond comes in throws his hat on the hat rack that's his cool little introduction to the room I thought that was a nice point, at least. What did you think of that? I, I just thought it was really sad. Yeah, it is sad. She's gutted. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she's really upset. And you just... Yeah. Yeah, I think it was... Yeah, it was a nice... Um, yeah, it was It was quite a nice scene. Um, but, yeah. yeah, but quite sad. But yeah. just... I didn't... Yeah, I think <laughs> a whole wedding scene in a Bond film. Yeah. Like, no. What is this, Matthew <laughs> McConaughey or something? And then what happens is um, they have the wedding. Well, you kind of see the ending of the wedding. You don't see the ceremony. They've come out. And so it's kind of a, you know, goes literally cuts from him, Bronze fighting Blofeld, and then cuts to them just getting married and going off in the car. So Bond, they, Bond pulls over, and I think they're trying to get all the flowers off the car. And as they do that, another car comes back, comes past in the distance, and you can see it cuts to Blofeld and one of the hench women. Uh, with him and they shoot the car bond obviously gets away scot-free but tracy gets caught in the cop fire and is caught, uh, caught in the crossfire and is killed um and then the ending is pretty much bond sort of, sort of crying over his wife of five minutes yeah. um 
being killed and then the credit rolls and it's a very much of a somber ending compared to any of the other Bond films so what did you think of the ending for this at least yeah it's it's really sad and it's really it is really somber and it's it's um you were you were expecting it weren't you you knew it was never gonna Mm. it was never gonna go well um (laughs) but yeah just I just felt a bit deflated after after it and it's just sort of yeah wow yeah this whole this whole film that's been in my view very different to any other Bond film in its feeling was all all romance um and it was basically a love story and then she just dies at the end and you're just like what was the point in that (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's definitely um it definitely stands out as being it's not following some of the formulas and the traits from the previous five i think so okay so let's let's do a okay you pretty much summarized i think but what is your overall thought of this well actually no let's do score and then and then you can you can explain your score so what's your score for on her majesty's super service five out of ten Oh. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I thought it'd be lower, but okay. So yeah, well, summarize. Okay. So so five out of ten for me rating stuff. That is that's a very low score. I don't I don't rate much lower than five. So, yeah. um, yeah. It the whole film didn't feel like a Bond film to me. It felt like. I think it would have been an all right film if it was if it wasn't a Bond film yeah, and, and it didn't, it, it had so many, um, it went off in so many different directions that weren't classic Bond, but then, but then brought in aspects of, of Bond with these cheesy one-liners and bits like that, that I just don't think it worked yeah. um, as an overall, as a film. I just, I did not like Telly Savalas. I didn't get on with that as a, as a villain. Um, I don't think the the scale of the plot was kind of accentuated enough and made it made you really care about that. I think his his romance and love um, just took over the whole film, and it it just felt like a a romantic, not romantic comedy, kind of yeah, kind of a romantic comedy, romantic thriller to me, not not a spy film. Mm. Um, I did. So, yeah, I guess, I guess five out of ten is fair because I I think the action scenes are are good and there are there are some some redeeming factors. I think as a as a romantic film with fight scenes, it's pretty good. And but I just I just joked about Matthew McConaughey, but you can imagine him in this film remaking it. Don't call it Bond. Mm. I reckon it'd be a pretty decent film. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I didn't find him great as playing the Bond character. I didn't find him suave, clever or cool. I think he just felt a bit too soppy. And yeah, I think maybe the um, the costume designers didn't help that. <laughs> um, yeah, but but is it a Christmas film? Well, I, was, I wrote the same thing. I was going to ask yeah. the same question because, yeah, it, it is around that time, isn't it? It um, is, yeah. And I was thinking, so, um, oh, maybe it is. So yeah, it's fitting. It's fitting yeah. for this time of year. But, Definitely. Yeah, no, um, I think there's just too many things that pissed me off. <laughs> just, uh, yeah. Yes, five out of ten. Nice. Okay. So I'm not as harsh. Okay. I've given it a seven out of ten. I'll explain why. Wow. So it's a very low seven, I'll, I'll give you that. So I think actually Bond is the weakest thing in this film. I think I agree with what you said. If it was not a Bond film, I think it'd be better. I think it's yeah. too long for a start. I'll get the negatives out. I think it's too long. I think George Lazenby can't act, and there's a reason why they didn't get him on the second time. I think the, the fact, I think my main problem with this is I really like the first third and the third third and the middle chunk is just terrible and that's what really brings it down is like when they've stupid outfits the voiceover that isn't his voice um that just kills it it just kind of pisses on bond as a character i think um 
and I think the plot, like you said, the, the overall sort of um, end of the world plot doesn't really go anywhere. I think the um, the harem of women as well is kind of just there to say, look, Bond is with loads of women. So I imagine in the trailer, it's like, look, Bond's with like 12 women. And I, I just think that was like, so they've only used these women for an allergy research experiment. Like no men have allergies. You know, it's just a bit... Yeah, I wasn't a big fan. But yeah, like I said, I think everything else outside of that is, is really good. I think Diana Rigg is probably one of the, as a character standpoint, is one of the better Bond girls. I think she holds her own quite well. She's definitely one of the best actors, actresses out of the ones as well, because they tend to be, you know, dittery women, I think. There's a running theme in some of them where they're not, they don't hold their own. I think very much she's almost uh, an equal to Bond on some levels in some, some of the scenes um yeah. i think savales is i don't mind him i think he's a different it is a different take on blofeld compared to the previous one he's not as intimidating he's a bit more it feels more like a maybe like a modern day business giant like runs facebook or, or you know the hidden man behind it rather than you know the unseen villain from you only live twice where you, you only briefly see him towards the end he's much more in this i think the action scenes are really good i think they're um I think that, like I said, I've already said about the bobsleigh thing, I think is one of the best bits of the film. Um, and I think, yeah, another downside is that the, the one-liners and the lack of gadgets isn't isn't great. But I think other stuff outweighs it. I, I personally like the ending. I think the ending is great. I think it's only because up until that point, you know, it, it proves that he doesn't always have to be happy, dappy, chappy ending. Everyone gets away, you know. Bond's actually become a bit more human here and lost something. You know, he doesn't, he hasn't won the day. So I thought that was quite good. And we would obviously talk about the next film and how that doesn't really carry on. And I think if I, if someone asked me what to pick one film to be remade in the modern setting, I would pick this one. I think, I think kind of what you said, I think there's a lot here. I mean, I haven't read the book, so I don't know if it's, it's a fault on the book that the plot is like, it is what it is. But I think there's so much here that could be worked in um, that that could work in it to be revisited. So I'd be interested to see, you know, with the new sort of Daniel Craig timeline or whoever takes on after him, that it maybe follows or a similar plot to this or even the same plot. Um, obviously, they've done that with Casino Royale. I, yeah. I can't see why they wouldn't do it here. Um, I yeah, think, um, yeah I, I, I agree. I think a remake would have been good but I also feel like I'd, I'd love to know what this film would have been like if Connery had played Bond yeah, I know because I think I think that would have worked really really well I think yeah. Telly Savalas may have still annoyed me but I may have forgiven it but yeah. I think I think that um yeah that that presence and it 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 probably would have some of the things that annoyed me in this film probably wouldn't have been written into it if if Connery had continued to play it. So yeah, I, I kind of I wish that had that had happened. Yeah. I almost think as well because Lazenby, and I guess this isn't necessarily his fault. He's the new guy and doesn't really have any weight in the decision making. So someone like Connery, five films in, if this was his sixth film, I think as well. I think it actually would have been his best film. I think he he would have. And Connery, as an actor, would have probably said, no, I'm not wearing a kilt or not. You know, it had a bit more say in that. I think because Lazenby's new, he's like, and, you know, happy to be Bond. He's just accepted all this crap that the producers have given him to try and force him out of the role. Um, so I think I think the fundamentals are good, um, a good intention. I just don't think the payoff is, is as... Um, as good as it could have been so yeah a seven from me but it's a very low seven it's, it's definitely not as good as i remembered it being the first time around um and i think there's because i noticed a bit more things like the like, you know the plot falling down and realize how ridiculous the hip, hypnotherapy stuff is as well <laughs> just ridiculous but, yeah um, yeah so five from you and a seven from me um so where does this rank now we're getting quite high well we're getting into six now so is this is this the bottom of the bottom of the pile for you? Yeah, very very firmly at the bottom for me. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, where I've put mine. I put this just before from Rush with Love. So I think this is my number. What is it? It's be fourth, I think, at the minute. Obviously, I think that's going to dwindle down. I think 
Um, yeah, I, this will dwindle down as we get through more and more of them. But um, yeah. Okay. So, so from Russia with love is is your bottom of the pile still? No, Thunderball. Thunderball's my least favourite oh, at the minute. Okay. Yeah, because okay. yeah. Bond was just an arsehole in that. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> so so the next one is Diamonds Are Forever. So Sean Connery comes back. Yeah, Connery oh, back. Hey. Um, <laughs> and we'll go into how and why he comes back in that episode. But um, thanks again for your time again today. And we'll talk on Diamonds Are Forever next time. Yeah, cool. Good chat. Cheers. See you later. Bye.